Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. Psalm 134. I like it. It says, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Just to pause there for just a second. During the time when David was king in Israel, there was a, uh, oh, I'm sorry about that. (laughs) When David was king in Israel, there was a, They'd, they'd put the Ark of the Covenant out in this, this open area. There was this tent, as they call it. And, and, uh, and while they were out there, um, they would worship God 24 hours a day. In fact, David had it set up so day and night there were worshipers. I mean, can you imagine uh, being part of the nighttime 3 a.m. worship team? Yeah, that's what it was like. So you look at this in Psalm 134, and I like it. It says, praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Sometimes it might feel like night to you. You might feel like, I'm just worshiping God, but I'm the only one. I just feel darkness around me. But this scripture says, keep praising God anyway. He says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, for he is the maker of heaven and earth. And that's my prayer for you today is that God will bless you from his holy place. And his holy place is wherever we gather. You got to understand that. Wherever God's people get together, he is there. So I want us to pray right now. I want us just to pray for just an explosion of God's presence in our lives. Come on, will you just lift your hearts and hands to the Lord? God, I just pray that you will just pour your spirit, your grace, your strength, your life out on me, Lord. God, let the strength and the power and the presence of God be strong and mighty in me. And I thank you, God, that you're going to do more than I can imagine over these next few minutes according to your power in Jesus' name. And everyone said, everyone said what? Amen, amen, amen. Well, God bless you. Welcome to the 9.30 a.m. service, and welcome to you guys who are online catching us live today. God bless you as well. And if you've been at home standing and worshiping God, now you can have a seat also. Uh, boy, I tell you what, it's a, it's a beautiful day today. And uh, I just, I love Sunday mornings. This, this Sunday morning, we're kind of getting into a new, our new schedule here of the 930 service, which was new to us now, but of course we were doing it for a long time before that. But, but uh, man, I tell you what, it's just, it's just great being up early and being, uh, just t- talking to God early in the morning. Uh, I just want to encourage you, though, right now, if you will go ahead and begin to prepare your tithes and your offerings, I want to thank you, first of all, thank those of you who, are, uh, who, who give through the recurring giving option. Thank you so much for your consistency, for your tithes and your offerings. It not only sustains what we do, but it helps to fuel it. It allows us to do things that, that are outside the box, and I want to thank you for that because God is, God's really doing some amazing stuff through our church. While you're giving, getting your offerings prepared, if you've not yet given, go ahead and get, prepare that now. You can give uh, via the, the uh, City Life app, or if you're at home, you can give, th- uh, give through the City Life FW website, and uh, you can also give through the City Life app. If you're here, you can also give out at the giving station in the foyer. 
While you're preparing that, I also encourage you to, to uh, submit your prayer requests online if you've not yet done so. The way to do that, again, is to go to the City Life app, submit prayer requests. We'll be praying for your needs at the end of the service today. But I have something really cool to tell you about. If you were here, you saw this on the sheet as you came in on that little information sheet. Just pull that out and look at it. You see where it says on there, Back to School Roundup. The, the Tarrant County Back to School Roundup is something that we do each year. Now, I want to talk to you about how significant this is. Donations are way down this year because companies are, are, have redirected their, their donations to other causes and uh, other things, and, uh, and there are needs within the community. But this church has always stood for compassion. That's one thing that we continue to do. We've always done it. We'll continue to do it. And I'm encouraging you to help us. This year, because the back-to-school roundup has been scaled down significantly, uh, we're actually able to get these backpacks of school supplies to disadvantaged children uh, here in Tarrant County for $25 a backpack. Now, I I believe in education. I want to tell you, this year, education has all of a sudden become uh, an anomaly. Like, what is it? What is it? And how do you do it? Uh, I know that that these kids need education, and it's important that the next generation be be raised up with education. Uh, Do you realize that the very first law passed in the new world. This is long before this is a nation, but it was in the colonies. The very first law that was ever passed was called the Old Deluder Satan Act. And what that was is that instituted public schools, and it was based upon this. Children needed to know how to read and to read the Bible so that they wouldn't be deceived by Satan. And I still think that's the case today. If people are not educated, they they fall under deception really easy. And so I think education is a huge part of what we need to be uh, advancing here within the local church in our community. So if you're able to give $25, maybe you own a company, your company can sponsor 10 backpacks for $250. Let's do that. I would love to see that city, I would love to see it that we could give 100 backpacks Packs again this year. So would you go ahead and begin to prepare an offering there? If you'll notice on the City Life app, when you give, you'll notice the back to school, uh, the back to school roundup option on there. So just be sure and mark it as that when you're, when you're doing your giving. Uh, also, just uh, let you know on Saturday, uh, Saturday, August 8th from 9 a.m. till noon, we're going to have an in-person event here. This is something we've done each year for several years. It's called our Holy Spirit Workshop. And if you'd like to know who the Holy Spirit is, how he works and what he can do in your life and through you, be here. The way to register for that is to go to the City Life app, register for Holy Spirit Workshop, and uh, we'll get you all set up for that. It'll be a great opportunity for you to spend the morning with me, with our elders, our prayer team as well, and receive something very special and fresh from God. Well, I'd, I'd like for you now to go ahead as you are preparing your offerings and everything, getting those prayer requests out. I, I'd like for you to also open your heart right now to this prayer as I speak it over you and as we move into God's word now, all right? Receive this prayer. God, I thank you, Lord, that a spirit of revelation is, is, is in this room, that revelation flows through to every person who's watching online, that now is a time where you're going to open up hearts and minds, and that at the end of this message, we're not going to be the same people that we were at the beginning of it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And uh, it's, uh, again, good to see you guys today. I am, uh, I've just got back into town from being away. I spent some days in the wilderness. I love time in the wilderness because one of the wonderful things about it is there's no cell signal out there. 
Yeah, you can't get phone calls. You're not going to get messages from people. If, if you guys tried texting me and I didn't get the text message, it's out there in cyber world somewhere. I don't know. Uh, but but it, it's kind of nice just to be away and, and to, to tune in and just listen to the Holy Spirit. And uh, I just, I enjoy times like that. It's, it's funny, I noticed this, and I did a little bit of research on it, but it's for some reason, like when I first go away like that, the first night, my head will just be filled with dreams all night long, just, just my mind just going crazy. And, and I, I, what I discovered through the research is that, uh, is that my mind is actually slowing down, so my body's actually, so everything's kind of getting compressed and put into place and put into storage, and so it manifests itself through a wild night of dreams, and it's always like, that uh, when I when I do this, but but I had a good time. But Friday I was out doing a hike, and uh, I was hiking out. And it's a small lake here in North Texas called Cedar Lake, and and I was hiking out on this uh, through the woods. And 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 as soon as I'd, I was I was heading out onto the trail, there were a couple guys there that were getting their mountain bikes ready. And I'm telling you, they had all the gear. They looked good. They knew like they you looked at them. They yeah they they got the stuff. You know they're going. I don't know what they were doing, but they were using power tools, putting their, their bikes together and, and getting ready to go mountain biking. And, and just as I hit the trail, uh, this, this young guy, probably about 18 years old, yelled over at me and said, hey, have a good time out there. Now, good luck on the trail. I'm like, yeah, th- I, like, I don't know what good luck on the trail means for me, but uh, sure, I'll, 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 I'll do good. So I was heading out there and and, and going on my way, and about, about 15 minutes later, out on that same trail, which are, is used for mountain bikes a lot, uh, you know, I could hear someone coming from behind me, and he yells, and he, and he says, he said, here I come, behind you, and there's one more, and I, I know what that means, so I move to the side, and stand at the side, and one guy passes me, and I don't know who the other guy is, and then probably about 15 seconds later, this other guy comes around the corner, and, and uh, and then, and then I start walking along. Then all of a sudden, I heard this, ah, oh, ooh, yelling up ahead. And, uh, and, and because I know the path, I'm thinking, well, obviously he's discovered the creek up there and realized that, it, you know, there's, there's a little, it's got to figure out how to get to the other side of it because it's not just a little creek, you know, it, it's, it's limestone. And so it's like cut into the limestone about five feet deep and, and it's, you know, it's just a big hole and, and you got you to get to the other side. So, so I, I, I get out there and then I realized I saw something really interesting. I saw the guy who had passed me second standing with his bike at the edge of the ravine looking down into it. And I heard the yelling coming from inside, from down in there. And, and, and I got to the edge, and, and uh, there's this guy, the one who passed me, the one who said good luck way earlier. This guy who had passed me, he was, he was covered. I mean, he was covered in blood and in mud, and, and, and he was just sitting there in the middle of this, this, this ravine with his bike, and... and uh, and, and I said, are you all right? He's like, I don't know. And his, his friend said, oh, you're going to be all right. You're going to be okay. And, and, and it's like, friend, why don't you go help him out? You know, but, but I like, well, I thought that, but I didn't say it. So I, I jumped down in there and, and I was looking at him and I said, like, well, man, he's just, he's covered with mud. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take, get over some water and I'm going to pour water all over you. So just hold on. And I had him stand up because I can't stand up. I'm, I'm, I'm dizzy. I'm dizzy. I, well, here we go. Let's, let's just do our best. So I get him all cleaned up. Then I'm noticing all the abrasions and the, and the, the mess that had happened as he obviously hit this corner 
and he didn't know that the terrain had changed. He didn't know the path, and the terrain changed. There was this quick corner where he should have slowed way down, took the corner, but he couldn't, and there was a skid. Now, you can see the skid mark, like, literally from the woods all the way to the edge of the creek where he had skidded all the way down and, and crashed down into the creek. Again, about a five-foot drop, and and, uh, and obviously he didn't know that corner was there. He was going full speed and boom, he lost it. So I get, get him cleaned up and, 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 uh, said, man, we get, we got to get out of here. You got to, got to get it. He goes, no, I can't, I can't, I can't do anything. I just, I was like, no, you, you've got to. So I took him by the hand and put another hand behind him. And I said, all right, let's walk up here. Let's, here's a, here's a way out up here. So we go walking up here. And, and he said, but I can't, I, I'm so dizzy. I said, I've got you. I've got you. I've got you. Let's, let's sit down. Let's sit down, get in the shades here and sit down. I look at his friend and I said, do you guys have water? Do you have electrolytes? Do you, you know, asking him all the questions that I would typically ask, like my sons, if I, they were out hiking with me. And, uh, and, and he said, yeah, yeah, we got all that. So what, you got a friend here, you got to take care of him. He goes, I can't move. I can't. I'm so dizzy. I'm so dizzy. Of course, at that point I'm realizing and still you know, checked his body out, but realized there were no broken bones, but he obviously had a concussion because I mean, he, he was, he was just totally unstable. And, and at that moment, you know, I, I realized, wow, um, how many times has God come through for me just like that? I mean, just like that. In fact, I got to thinking as I got back on the trail, like that, that little curve, that little corner that he missed is kind of like life in 2020. Uh, you know, we're just flying through the woods. We're just going and all of a sudden the terrain changes. There's a, there's a gap ahead we don't know about and there's a quick turn and you've got to make the turn and, and, and you may end up in the ravine. And you may end up scratched up. You might end up a little, you, you may bump your head. But uh, that's kind of like where we are right now. Some people are scuffed up. They're in the creek. Others have just barely made the corner. Others are just standing at the edge of the creek, kind of looking around going, what's everybody's problem, <laughs> you know? That's kind of like our world today. I want you to open up your Bibles to two locations today. I want you to find First Samuel chapter 17, verse 10, and I also want you to find 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Two locations, I want you to find those and hold those, hold your place there. You ever had someone that you needed to unfriend? You know what I'm talking about? Someone becomes belligerent or they become maybe, maybe hateful or they become obsessed with possibly like pulling you down and discouraging you, an abusive relationship. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, some of you have had to unfriend people like that. But many of you have a friend who is not a person that needs to be unfriended that's doing the same thing to you. This friend is stressing you out. This friend is preventing you from making decisions. This friend is making you angry and making you feel like you don't have any hope. And, and here's the deal. Somehow, you have become friends with fear. And fear has become like your companion all the time. Today, I'm going to encourage you to unfriend fear. And that's the, me- that's the title of today's message is Unfriending Fear. Unfriending Fear. Okay, you see, we're, we're in this time period right now of extreme 
rapid change. Everything is in flux. You know, it's like something we've never seen before. But, but you got to keep this in mind. At the same time, this is the time God decided that you would be on this earth. Just like I believe God decided that I should be right there at the creek that day uh, hiking. You know, God put you here on this earth to make Jesus known during this season so it's not an accident, okay? But here's also the deal. God never promised everything was going to be peachy and easy. Never. Really, the life of faith isn't peachy and easy at all. I'll never forget 12 years ago. It was 2008. And uh, wow, it's hard to believe it's been that long. But I remember feeling so clear that God was speaking to me to resign the church that I was pastoring uh, up in the state of Missouri. I felt that God, I felt God impressed on my heart that I was supposed to resign and move my family back here to the Metroplex. And then I really felt this, that God was saying, okay, I want, you're going to go there and you're going to wait for my next directive. Like, well, that's not fun, God. I want to know now. I want to know now. But I felt God saying, no, take this first step of faith. And, uh, and so we did. And I'm telling you guys, the path in my life changed quickly and abruptly. It was like, bam, I'm out of the forest, and now here I am on this limestone cliff getting ready to fall into the ravine. I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I felt one thing. I just felt one thing, that there was supposed to be a launch of a new ministry in the heart of a large city. And, then, and I shared that with my wife, Rebecca, but that was it. I didn't even know what that looked like or anything. And I'll just tell you guys, it would have been easier to stay put during that time. It would have been easier to stay put in my nice house and my, where I had cars, where I was pastoring a big church and we had two campuses. And I mean, hey, I mean, I, I actually had a job. And, but, but the Holy Spirit, I felt, was telling me, reject your fear, get rid of that fear. I want you to get rid of the things that make you comfortable and I want you to go back home, go back here to the Metroplex I want you just to abandon all the things that make you feel secure. And that was probably the most challenging move that I've ever had in my life. When we moved out here, we moved into this, uh, a friend had a, had a place that we could move into. And, you know, there was no time to really figure much of anything out. We said, oh, great. He had got a house out in the woods. Well, it was a hundred-year-old farmhouse, literally a hundred years old. 100-year-old farmhouse out in the woods in Midlothian, Texas. It was one mile off the main road. You had to go out, go out this dirt road to this shack. You guys remember living in the shack, don't you? Yeah, that was the shack. It was a 100-year-old drafty old farmhouse. And, and uh, there we were. Uh, Rebecca said, this is where we're going to live now, huh? I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. And uh, I mean, there we were. We had no income. I had a rapidly diminishing savings account and three hungry teenagers. And then, of course, we're in the Texas woods, which means you literally have, you have to watch where you're going because there literally are bobcats on your front porch along with raccoons, you know, the coons that come out and check everything out day in and day out. Uh, you have, uh, oh, we, we really got to know all about copperheads and how they worked and some water moccasins too and the coyotes that would tend to, uh, you know, eat the animals that we had around the house, you know, pets. That's not to gross you out. That's reality. That was our, our life for quite a while. <laughs> and there we were. Like, what, is, what just happened here? I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. I mean, fear was present. But I had to make the decision, I'm not going to let fear be my friend. Fear, like, kept knocking on the door. But I wasn't going to let fear be my friend. 
we're going to move through this. I don't know how. And I'm telling you, it got worse before it got better. But then three years after that, I was a pastor here and really starting to like look around and go, man, you know, but what, what we have here is a lot of bills. <laughs> this whole new chapter was, was interesting. I uh, found out that just to keep this building open, this was back in 2011, that it would cost between $6,000 and $6,500 a month just to keep the building open, and that was it. Uh, was fear knocking at the door? Oh, yeah, fear was knocking on the front door of this building. It, it sure was. Fear wanted to be my friend. Fear, I remember the day when I walked through the, this room and I thought, what are we going to start to sell so we can pay the electricity? And, and I walked through here and prayed and said, God, you've got to work a miracle. You've got to work a miracle. And, and uh, you, that was right after we had our very first Sunday. And the first Sunday, we had a handful of people. And we had a whopping offering of $100. I thought, I don't know how this pays all of that, but we needed a miracle. Fear was right there. Fear was lurking. I mean, th- these thoughts kept coming to me. Is this thing going to fail before you can even get it off the ground? I don't know, because this is God's anyway, so God's got to work the miracle. And, and you know, today I just want to say this. You know, whether, you're a, whether you're a leader, a business leader, or a stay-at-home mom, whether you're a student or you're just getting married, maybe you have your first child, possibly you're a medical professional, or Maybe you've been diagnosed or someone in your family has been diagnosed with COVID-19. One thing in this season, really throughout all of life, but especially during this season that is very true, is change is inevitable. Change is happening overnight. Now, I want to show you this little continuum of how this works because change is something that is happening and is going to happen. But change brings with it the unknown, okay? So change comes with the unknown, and along with the unknown then comes fear. And that's where fear, fear is what's knocking on the door all the time, all right? But fear, when you can learn to unfriend the fear, you're going to be able to operate and move in faith. And that's really where I want to take you today. 3,500 years ago in this valley, not a little ravine like what I dealt with uh, on Friday, but in a real valley in the Middle East was this uh, battle. And this is a, a time where like rapid change and fear uh, really gripped the hearts of the people who were there. The story is recorded in 1 Samuel 17, where I'm wanting you to look today. Uh, this battle was happening uh, when King Saul was, was, the, uh, was the king of Israel. And, and in those days, in that culture, the king would lead his troops into battle as the commander-in-chief. And the king would kind of like be the ultimate warrior, and he would stand up to the enemy, and the, the troops would follow. Well, What happened in this instance is the Philistines, who were their adversaries, their enemies, the Philistines were on one hill and and, and on the other side were God's people, the children of Israel, and the Philistines sent out this little uh, commission to discuss how they were going to do the war, kind of lay down the the rules here, and, and they decided, here, let's do something different. You bring out your best warrior each day, we'll bring out our best warrior, and, and then we'll have them fight to the death. Whichever one wins, then they end up getting their whole, their whole uh, uh, nation gets to take over the other nation. How about that? Like, yeah, only one person dies. That'll be great. So, so, the, so King Saul agreed to that. And the next day, this massive giant, nine feet tall, Goliath comes out, comes off the hill. And he's, this is a man who'd been trained for battle his entire life. Now, on Israel's side at that point, 
they just looked at this, and Saul probably would have been the person to do it, but, but they just looked at this and said, no, we, we can't do that. I mean, not even Saul the hero would go out. Nobody went out. Actually, they hid when they saw him. He came out and began cursing God, cursing God's people. And, uh, and, and then Saul, the, who they, you know, they used to sing a song about him. They would sing, Saul has slain his thousands. And, and Saul was out there and nothing was going on. He, he wasn't doing anything. We pick up the story in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 10. As Goliath had come out at this point for 40 days, twice a day. So this is 80 times. And all the warriors of Israel were hiding, including Saul. Take a look at it, 1 Samuel 17, 10. It says, then the Philistine said, and that's, that's Goliath, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. You see, here's what was going on. The unknown was haunting them. Fear had gripped the camp. Fear gripped Saul, the hero, and fear kept his entire army sitting there for 40 days. Here's the truth. The more you stare at the unknown, the more fear is going to govern your life. You're just gazing at it, looking at the unknown. It's going to govern you. You'll be governed by whatever you focus upon. Well, as most of you know, David shows up. He shows up at this point. He's a kid about 17 years old. And he was so enraged with what he had heard and what, what was unfolding there in front of him, he just decided he was going to go ahead and fight Goliath himself. Now, look down at uh, 1 Samuel 17. Look at verse 37. Uh, see, David had, uh, he had not been staring at the unknown at all, and he was not friends with fear. David had faith. And so here's, here in verse 37, here's what he said. He goes out there to the battle line. He says, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. And the Lord was with him. And so with the power of God, with a sling, a stone, a very unconventional tool victory was brought. In fact, I actually think that's a word from God for some of you right now. A very unconventional tool is going to take you to the next place where you're going to be. An unconventional tool. Think that. Write that down. Get that in your heart. I think that's a prophetic word for some of you. David then won the match. The power of God and a sling and a stone. And then, then what happened is when he won, faith surged through the entire camp and they all ran onto the battlefield and they chased the Philistines down and they massacred them. And, and just like David, here's the deal. If you make the decision to unfriend fear, what's gonna happen is you will also instill faith in other people when they see God working victory through you. I, I'll tell you guys, one of the best ways to make Jesus known in this time during this season is to be a person of faith, a person who refuses to to stare at uncertainty and be brought down by the unknown. See, David's resolve to not allow fear into his heart and into his life, that actually filled the other men with faith. Yet at the same time, Saul, the guy who had the best opportunity really to slay the giant, he was friends with fear. He was hanging out with fear. He was staring at the unknown. He was the tough big guy, but 
this adversary kept lurking at the door and he gave in to this intimidation and that caused him to retreat to the sidelines. And during this season, some people who are best, they look like they're the best ones to make things happen. They're gonna retreat to the sidelines and others are gonna stand up and say, no, I'm moving forward. And it may take a kid who comes off the field with his little harp and his sling who's gonna make a difference. And that's what I'm looking for. In fact, you know what? That's the kind of man I wanna be. See, Saul began to lose control of his kingdom that very day. David, he began to escalate. They began singing new songs. <laughs> Actually, they, they added a second verse to the little song they would sing because they were singing, Saul has slain his thousands. And they added verse two, David has slain his tens of thousands. Wow. Things changed quick, rapidly. Here's my question to you. What are your fears? What are your fears? What's keeping you on the sidelines? What, what, what is keeping you in this perpetual thought process of what if? What if? What if? There, there, there's something that's, that's a, a phenomenon that's happening right now. And, and uh, one of the things is that, is that uh, a, lot, a lot of videos are being sent around. And, and I think most of you know what I'm talking about. Just a lot of videos are being sent around. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but, uh, but a lot of videos are coming around, and, and, and if you look at this and look at all this stuff and begin to drink it in, it actually begins to create fear. And I'll just tell you, fear is not from God. I, I got back, uh, you know, yesterday, and I, I, went to, I opened my, my computer this morning, and I was up here at the office, like, bright and early, while it was definitely still dark, and, and I noticed some of my messages. I mean, I had 23 videos from people that they were wanting me to watch. I mean, and if you send me a video, it's, it's okay, you can do that, that doesn't bother me, but I was like, <laughs> no, I, you know what? I, I'll be watching videos for the next six months, and I'm going to come out of those video sessions going, I don't want to see the light of day for, forever. You know, here's the deal. If you're staring at the face of the unknown, fear will become your companion. And I'm telling you, some believers are engaging fear right now and you need to stop it. Because fear is going to cause you to do nothing and you're just going to keep staring into that canyon of uncertainty. And the thing is, some things that are, that are in your mind, they're like way, way, way overblown from what really God is doing. You know, God will use situations that do not look easy and he will, he will use those, but if you can look at it in an overblown way, you think the world is crumbling. When I was about five years old, dad was pastoring his church and, and it was in Montesano, Washington. And this big guy came through the sun, it was Sunday evening, this big guy came through the, in, into the auditorium in that Sunday evening service, and, and, uh, and back in those days when the doors would open up, everybody would hear it. Some of you, any of you go to attend a church like that, you hear the back door, and then everybody, what do they all do? Everybody turns around and looks, okay? Everybody stops, turns around, looks, okay, let's watch the guy coming in, who's coming in during communion. And, and so they're having the time of communion. This guy comes busting in, and he has, he has a double-barrel shotgun like this. He walks in with his gun, and he stands there and looks around, and, and my dad's doing communion. And I, dad says, I mean, he remembers it much, much better than I do, but he said fear gripped the whole place. <laughs> I mean, uh, and, and uh, my dad, he just said, no, I mean, he's, I, I'm going to have faith. No weapon formed against me will prosper in Jesus' name. And so dad just kept going. And, and, uh, and, and the, guy, the guy walked up the aisle a little ways and, 
and uh, no usher stopped him or, or anything. No, no, I mean, of course, they didn't have police security or anything like that. And, and so the guy's just walking up the aisle, and, and then he says, he just yells out, where did I check in my gun? Like, he was drunk, and he was slurring. And, and so one of the ushers said, oh, I, I'm the gun check-in person. So, so, so the usher checked in the guest's gun. And, uh, and so dad, <laughs> he continued with communion, and, uh, you know, in spite of the bizarre interruption. And as the communion elements were being served, the bread and the wine, the, the special guest, he, he looked at it being served in front of him and, and in a loud voice. Everybody in the, in the building heard it. He said, that's okay, no thanks. I, I already had some of that tonight. <laughs> and the, you know, you, you just, at that point, you just wanted to laugh. Dad gave a salvation altar call. And the drunk guy with the gun, who didn't want any more wine, <laughs> he gave his life to Jesus Christ that night. What looked like a disaster turned out to be a miracle. A miracle. What, what might God be doing around you right now? What if dad would have stopped the service? I probably would have. I, don't, I just don't know, but what a miracle. Now, look over in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. See, because what looked like a disaster was actually a miracle. And here's the deal. Here's what you got to do. What dad did that day was the right thing. He unfriended fear with faith, believing that with God's help, he was going to move forward. I'm telling you guys, with God's help, you're going to move forward and you're going to be a change agent in this world. Because faith says this. Faith says you're not going to keep standing still. You're not going to keep waiting. You're not going to try to figure it out like Saul. You're going to move forward. Now, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Look at this. God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's good. But of power, love, and of self-discipline. Now, Look at that scripture. Can you see it clearly? Fear does not come from God. That's why I'm saying you need to unfriend your fear. In fact, look at it. Fear comes from hell. That means fear actually is a spirit. In fact, that's what Paul said. He says, God's not giving you a spirit of fear. What's a spirit? Well, it's either an angel or a demon. I'm just telling you, it's one of those two, uh, and it's not a spirit of, an, of, a, of a person. So like, they, that's, that's a spirit of fear. Uh, the spirit of fear is actually a demon spirit. Now, now think of it this way. Why in the world would you want to be friends with a demon spirit called fear? <laughs> Unfriend him. Like David, you just need to be able to stand up and kind of push that little unfriend fear button in your life and and you're just going to say, I'm going to be secure because I know God is going to hold me close and God's actually given you three tools to defeat fear. It's it's, it's power, love, and self-discipline. All three of those actually crush fear, but the deal is you have to use them. He said, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of So that means he has given you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-discipline. Here's my challenge. Muster up some faith and begin to engage this stuff and move into your battle and unfriend that spirit of fear with faith. Knowing this, God is on your side. Spirit of power, spirit of love, spirit of self-discipline. You have it. Back in 2011, my fears with the city life uh, project here was that people would reject me. 
That fear was knocking on the door. Another fear that was knocking on the door is you've, you've made a fool of yourself leaving that wonderful ministry up here, coming down here to, to do this. What? Are you crazy? In fact, I had people tell me that. I had preachers telling me that. Uh, I, I had this fear like this thing could just like physically destroy me. But I refused to let the fears of the unknown rule me. What, what I did was this. As I took a tiny little action step by faith every day. That's what I challenge you to do. Every single day, take some type of an action step. Get yourself out of the ravine and start taking a step. John said this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. He says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Now, how can fear be driven out? Well, because we know that fear is a spirit Love, perfect love, which is the spirit of God, drives out the demonic force of fear. You're getting this. Look at this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out that spirit of fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So that spirit of God loves you and then it flows through you to love others and so this whole love thing of receiving and giving love, it's, it's two things. It's not just receiving, it is a giving. Fear is not going to be displaced just by receiving love. You've got to give it as well. That's why God's people have always been known as a people of compassion, people who are gonna get out there on the edge and they're going to do things, they're going to serve because that's that spirit of love that God gives to you and then you let it flow through you. And you, know, you know what? Fear cannot survive when you, are, when you are living and operating and working in a spirit of compassion. I'll tell you guys, the happiest, most fearless people that I know are people are people who are just content to love other people, people who actually believe in this thing called the, uh, the, the, the golden rule. I'm gonna do to other people the way I would want them to do to me, and they expend their lives for others. That's called making Jesus known. See, but th- that's also where self-discipline comes in, because self-discipline, it, it actually, love actually demands self-discipline. You have to discipline yourself to do these things. Uh, you see, love it's not an emotional feeling. It's actually an action based upon a decision. And when you do this, it will change everything. Anxiety, stress, obsession, those are all products of fear. But they can be replaced, displaced, and replaced with power, love, and self-discipline. God says this to us in Isaiah 41. He says, I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Kind of makes me think of what happened out there uh, the, the other day as I was helping that kid out of that, out of that bad situation he was in. It's like, hey, just give me your hand. I'm gonna go with you. We're gonna walk out of this together. We're gonna get through this together. And even though he said, I can't, I can't do it. It's like, yes, you can. <laughs> yeah, but that's what God's doing to us. Thank God he didn't just sit back down and say, forget it, I'm not going. You know, God's not gonna drag you out, but he's definitely gonna hold your hand. God's got his hand on you. He's got his arm wrapped around you. You gotta have faith in him. You have faith in those arms. You have to have faith in that. There are some huge things ahead that you are supposed to be accomplishing. In fact, I like to define faith this way. This is one of my many definitions of it, is to imagine the impossible and take action on it with God's help. With God's help. Imagine 
those impossibilities. Now consider some bold action that you can take, believing that God is actually gonna hold your hand and come through for you and with you. I'll, I'll tell you guys, that will change your outlook. It will alter your attitude. And as a result, you are going to be a person who has presence in the year 2020. In other words, choose faith and live with peace. I want peace for you. I want to live in peace. I don't want you and I don't want myself to be controlled by a spirit of fear at all because fear is not God's plan for your life. Fear, when it's displaced, faith comes in and then it results in peace. I'm convinced of this. Peace is God's will for your life. It is God's will for your life. David says this in Psalm 29, verse 11, the Lord gives strength to his people, the Lord blesses his people with peace. So are you out there struggling and clawing against everything, convinced that, oh, everything's falling apart, I'm gonna die? Well, I propose today that you start acting like the spirit of peace is close. I want you to behave like he is right with you right now. Because he is. He is. I want you to be able to say on the battlefield of life <laughs> to that spirit of fear, the Lord who rescued me from the pit of hell, he is definitely going to rescue me from the fear of this season. I'm moving forward. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. John 14, 27, write that down. Get that in your scripture. You know what? You guys need to memorize that right now. He has given you peace during a season when people are saying no peace. These are words for Jesus, the followers of Jesus, to actually live by. The truth is you won't even begin to imagine the change of attitude that will happen in you when you begin to uh, take this approach to daily living. While other people are plagued with uncertainty and with panic and with stress and with anxiety, you're going to experience peace that transcends human understanding, and it's yours right now. Will you just begin to... Lift your heart to the Lord in this moment. Will you ask God just to begin to flood you with peace? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. And I want, this, I want you to receive this prayer all over this room. Online, I want you to receive this prayer. Lord Jesus, I pray that a spirit of peace will overtake us. God, we stand up against fear. The spirit of fear will not control me. That spirit of fear will not have its way. God, we thank you that you give us a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-discipline, and we're going to move forward in peace. We're going to step out, and we're not going to be afraid. The days of living afraid are behind us. God, I pray that you will raise up this church to be people who are fearless in the culture, fearless against the forces of hell, fearless against the, the, the cultural war. And I thank you, God, that you, because you're on our side, we ain't got nothing to fear. Thank you, God of peace. 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 
Thank you, God of peace. Thank you, God of peace. That spirit of fear, you just got to let it go. Come on, let it go. Let it go. Let that spirit of fear go. He's not your friend anymore. That friend has nothing to do with anything good in your life, so unfriend that fear. That fear has to go in Jesus' name. Let's begin to pray for a spirit of power. Come on, ask God for power. Power, God, give me power. Give me love. Give me self-discipline. I will not be the same. I will not be the same. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want us to fearlessly pray over our prayer needs. Can you bring those prayer requests up to me? I want us to pray over these prayer needs that have been sent in today. I want us to pray and believe for miracles on behalf of these people and your own as well. Come on, let's pray right now. We're going to pray for Beth's dad who has cancer. We pray for healing in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. God, I pray for Ashley. God, just give her Holy Spirit peace in Jesus' name. Receive that, Ashley. This sermon was for you. Nicole, for this job interview, I pray for favor. I pray for for Joe, for clarity and peace in his decision-making. And for Whitney, for her, her elopement to go smoothly in Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, God. I, I, we just come against restlessness that, that Dom is experiencing. And, and I pray also for, for Bill and Connie, for their peace of mind and strength in their bodies. I join my faith with Jim's right now. I pray for Jordan's for peace and clarity and timing. And Sarah for patience and strength and peace. Oh, God, so many needs, so many needs for peace, God. But we know that, that breaking that friendship with fear brings peace. And I thank you, God, that peace is ours in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.